Hey there, welcome to Entree Hustle, a podcast about startups. I'm your host, Zach Kanarska, and on today's episode, we have a treat for you. Our head hustler, Michael Drew, was able to sit down with Travis Johnson, the CEO and founder of Food Junkie. Now the first and most obvious question, what the heck is Food Junkie? Travis is gonna answer that. He's also gonna talk about how he ended up in Detroit and what he's learned along the way. Here we go. Food Junkie solves a problem that I think a lot of people don't realize that they have. Mm. Um, uh, our biggest competitor is actually a legal pad and a paper menu. Um, most companies all over the country, and when they want to feed a group of people or a team of people, an administrator office manager goes around with a legal pad and a menu to find out what everyone wants. And then it gets really complicated when you've got customers or vendors that are flying in town. So with Food Junkie, what we've done is we've completely automated that process. Um, you go to Food Junkie, um, the same administrator office manager will now, instead of having a paper menu, will select a menu. And then instead of the legal pad, we'll put everyone's email address in to our system. And then what they essentially get is a food request. Think like a meeting request, but this is for food. So then everyone in that group will receive a email to their mobile phone or to their desktop computer where they simply click place their order. And they don't have any usernames, no passwords, no credit card information. Remember, this is the company that's paying for the food. Um, so there's really no barriers. They click that button, there's the menu in front of them. It's on their mobile phone, it's on their desktop computer. They select exactly what it is that they want, um, click submit, and that order gets compiled and sent to the restaurant. And what's really nice about the whole service is, is that when the restaurant delivers the food, everyone's name is on their food. So think of like getting a Popbelly sandwich and you said no tomatoes, right? Well, then you start digging around the sandwiches, which ones don't have tomatoes in it, right? But with this, it just simply says your name right on the sub, so you know exactly what's yours. So it makes it a really slick and easy process. And we've grown beyond those means. It's still over 60% of our orders are a group platform. But then we also have catering, and we also have individual. So if you're an individual person, you want to order food just for yourself at your desk, you can do that. Um, but Food Junkie's platform right now is primarily for businesses. We do have consumers that place orders on our site on a regular basis, but the vast majority is still for business. Bam, passing the yellow legal pad. Something we've all done and I'm hitting myself right now thinking about how stupid that is next to the solution that Travis Johnson created. Now, when you think about creating an idea like that, you wonder if it's gonna be that light bulb moment. We all picture ourselves having that light bulb moment. But for Travis, the light bulb moment took about 10 years and death by pizza. Okay, so there's really two starts to Food Junkie. Um, the very first start was in 98. Um, I was at the University of Colorado, Boulder, and I had to write a um, business plan for one of my courses. I got back to my apartment and I was hungry, so I opened up that drawer full of menus and it was a cluster. I had multiple identical menus with different pricing. I didn't know which one was up to date, which one wasn't. Um, and I said this could be done better. So I actually wrote a business plan to do that online. At that time, Napster was the big thing and the internet was a relatively new thing. Um, and I basically just wrote my, comp my current competition's business plan, which was charging a percentage of the food ordered back to the restaurant, not to the end customer. Um, then I went, graduated from school in 2002, and I went uh, to work corporate. Um, I did uh, worked at a firm that did a design and manufacture of in-store marketing materials. And that's kind of irrelevant, but the main point there is, is that they actually catered food to the office twice a week. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we had deep dish pizza. Um, deep dish pizza, Chicago deep dish pizza is excellent, but 
no matter how good something is, when you have it twice a week for 10 years, it's no longer an added benefit to, to you. It's like, I don't want any type of pizza anymore, let alone you know the deep dish. So um, that was where the group platform came about. And when I had left that company, um, I said to myself, I'm gonna start my own business. That's the reason why I left. And uh, I dusted off the business plans and I chose Food Junkie. It didn't have a name at the time. And uh, we uh, hit the marketplace with something that was similar to what Grubhub and Eat24 is doing. Um, and then quickly realized that the market is oversaturated and we needed to pivot. So uh, I remembered the days of having pizza twice a week and how that could be done better and how that was a pain. Um, and I started talking with office managers and secretaries to find out if it was painful for them too. And it was. And the reason why that individual people at their desks weren't getting exactly what they wanted, instead they were just getting catering, is because office managers and secretaries were tired of trying to go around with that paper menu and that legal pad. It was too time consuming and takes up too much of you know, their workload. So they just said, screw it, I'm gonna cater. Cater, cater, cater. And then employees, meanwhile, saying, I don't want this anymore, I don't want this anymore. So Food Junkie solves that issue. What do you say to that? Well, in the wise words of our head hustler, mm. Now, if you're from Detroit, then maybe this won't resonate with you. But for anyone who's listening who's not from Detroit or who transplanted to Detroit, you understand that there's this stigma attached to Detroit. And when you told people you're gonna move here, or if you're listening right now, you have this trepidation that comes with the city or with moving here or the idea of starting your company here. Now the issue is that we're letting people who aren't from Detroit tell the story. Travis Johnson deals with that and he talks about why he thinks that Detroit is the best place for Food Junkie. At the time, Detroit was about to go through a bankruptcy, so and that was what was being heard on the news. And I wasn't really interested in taking my <laughs> company to a city that was going bankrupt because there probably wasn't going to be much opportunity there for growth. Um, well, Dan Gilbert spent a good time getting me to come out and take a look at Detroit. I came out and took a look at it twice, spent a little bit of time here. Uh, got to see what was going on, and I saw that there was a lot of opportunity. And the bankruptcy at the time was giving it more opportunity because it was deleveraging and getting rid of a lot of the debt from the city. Um, and uh, so I said, you know, it's actually a market that's better for us to test because, you know, Grubhub, uh, E24, and all the major players are in Chicago, so we'd be competing against them. And in actuality, our competition in aggregate makes up 3% of the nationwide restaurants. So they're in Chicago, LA, and New York. They're not in Detroit. They're not in Troy. They're not in Birmingham. So it was an interesting test to start building in a market that doesn't have any competition to see if markets outside of the major markets want online ordering. So it was a business decision on that aspect. Pre-Detroit, pre-Food Junkie, Travis Johnson worked in corporate America. He also tried to start another startup that failed. One thing that he learned after acquiring somewhat of a nest egg, eating away at it while starting this company, which is the nature of burn rates, the nature of having a startup, is that maybe he would have rather started when he was younger, when he had less to lose. Here's what he tells young people. You know, I, I tell 
people every day that thinking about or that are young that don't know what they want yet is to be a starter, to be a startup and to be an entrepreneur is not complicated. It's not difficult. You don't need to be a rocket scientist. Um, but what you need is drive and you need flexibility, right? Um, and you need to be able to make a lot of choices. So, you know, on any given day, you know, you're going to have to make a hundred different choices and you have to make it on limited information and you have to understand that a lot of them are going to be wrong. Um, and the important thing there is, is that when you find out that it's wrong is you make the correction. Why do you make the correction? Because everything you do in a startup is a test. You have your hypothesis, you run the test, and you make decisions based on that. Now, if something continues to fail, you got to cut bait and run. That's what Travis is talking about here. And you have to also be willing to say, you know, that what we're doing here isn't going to work. We just spent, you know, three weeks or, or three months working on something and now we realize it's not going to work and be confident to be able to scrap that and to continue on. So we pivoted 180 degrees from where we started um, and we had spent close to six months developing the site and scrapped almost all of it to continue forward. Um, and you know that some people get stuck in this rut of this is how it's going to work. Um, this is going to be great. You need to be flexible. You need to be nimble and open to change. That means you, CEO. But what I see in a lot of organizations is is that there is a a hesitation to change, specifically when change also means that the CEO or the founder has to change as well. Because no one wants to have that conversation with the boss saying you need to do something different because this is going to be better for you know the company. And that's one of our core recipes is that if change makes sense, that means that I have to change as well. One thing that Travis keeps reiterating is just that, that we need to be nimble, we need to change. We run experiments and we make changes of our behavior based on those experiments. But another thing that we need to come to terms with is that we are not in control of everything. Entrepreneurs are swinging and they are not always going to hit the ball. Travis talks about it right here. And I think that a lot of people say it's luck, right? And I, I put it akin to, you know, hockey. I think any one shot in a hockey that goes in is luck, right? Because um, it got deflected off of this person, then hit the bar of this person that went in. And I mean, any hockey fans out there can yell at me about that. But I would consider any one shot luck. But the fact that the winning team had twice as many shots on goal as the other team is not luck, right? So it's the same thing with starting a company or running a company. I think a lot of your successes tend to be luck. It's not like you know, the entrepreneur or the marketing person had this extreme vision and just knew exactly what was going to work and it hit the market and it blew up. No, it was the fact that they were in it for the long haul and they had 10 other tries at it previous to that um, before it actually hit and hit its market fit. So how do we go about taking more shots? I heard Seth Godin say, don't ask me where all my good ideas come from, ask me where my bad ideas come from because I have thousands and thousands of bad ideas written down and out of those bad ideas, I've got a few great ones. Now, you can write down all your bad ideas 
The other thing is you can run way more exper experiments in your day. How do you run more experiments in your day? Maybe extend the work week. Okay, so I read the four hour work week. Yeah. Um, and uh, the four hour work week is for someone that doesn't want to work, right? So it's packing as much as you possibly can into a four hour period. You know, we take a look at the movie Office Space, and um, the 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 main the main character said, you know, at work for forty hours a week, clock in, clock out. But in any given week, I probably get a good what was it, two hours of work done. So that's what the four hour work week is. It's like most people just don't get that much work done in a work week. So just cram it into four hours because you can do that because that's all the amount you're really working in a forty hour work week and uh, then go out and play. Um, so I think that most entrepreneurs do a little bit more than four hours of actual work a week. Um, I would say in a 100-hour work week, how much work I'm actually doing is probably somewhere over 80 hours of actual work. Um, so I'm more on the Elon Musk side. Um, but I also see you know, the need for vacation and for recharging time as well. Um, for me, I don't think it's as important um, as it is for my team because you know, what I'm doing I really love and my recharge is coming into work. So it's, you know, that, it, you know, it's my baby, so to speak. Um, and I think that's probably the case for a lot of entrepreneurs that run their first startup and are successful. And that's why one of the times you see is their second startup is you know, after you've had a really nice successful exit from a startup, I think a lot of people's second startups are, are less successful because it's no longer their baby anymore. Um, I hope that's not true with me. I hope that I've got a lot of passions for other things I want to do as well. But uh, I think that um, neither are right, the four-hour work week or the 100-hour work week um, for the average person, but definitely side more towards the 100-hour work week than the four-hour. That's great. Now, if you are someone who's ready to put in the 100-hour work week, or if you are doing some sort of startup, some, some sort of small business where maybe your goal is the four-hour work week, either way, you might be looking at the marketplace and saying, there's not really a lot of opportunity out there. All the good ideas are taken. We're exiting a growth market and the revolution of the internet is over. Travis thinks you're wrong, and he's gonna talk a lot here about opportunities in the marketplace. A lot of people talk about um, growth markets and they think that the US is out of its, you know, there's no more growth markets to be in. Um, but I think that is completely not the case. Um, I think that the revolution that happened with the uh, industrial revolution and then the revolution that happened with the internet, um, I can't tell you what's gonna happen next, but I can tell you that there will be a next. Um, I think that there's a lot of technology coming out about um, you know, quantum physics, um, which I think is probably beyond my lifetime, but there is so much more and so many more growth verticals to be in. So I encourage anyone that's got any wild ideas to, to you know, start it, to work on it. Let's talk about Travis's wild idea. A year ago, they were in one state. Now, they're in 32. They're in over 200 cities. Their six-month goal is to be doing 1,000 restaurants a day. 
Now remember, restaurants really like them because they don't actually charge the restaurant. But to give a little context, their competitors are adding 100 restaurants a month. Now Travis is chasing some pretty amazing things. And what did he tell you? Go chase yours. Thank you for joining us today on Entree Hustle. We want you guys to all go out, explore your ideas, try new things, run your tests, run your experiments, and figure out where you want to put in your time, your four-hour or 100-hour work week. This has been Entree Hustle, a podcast about startups.